Study Hall with Eugene W. Grant is a regular pre-recorded podcast that reveals, discusses, examines, and broadens the listener's perspective on various topics of interest. The host invites professionals and subject matter experts to discuss issues, current events, and topics that impact entrepreneurs who face the daily challenges of managing a business. The show will converse about various topics that include entrepreneurship, business, investing, health, nutrition, and human interest. And now, Study Hall with Eugene W. Grant. On today's show, we are happy to have Ms. Siobhan Dotson. Siobhan Dotson is the founder of Dotson King Consulting, a consulting company that provides corporate trainings, strategic business development, and operations management. With over 19 years of experience in the public and nonprofit sector, she has a proven track record of increasing community partnerships and networks through outreach and civic engagement. She also has a passion for empowering the next generation of leaders and uses her skills to conduct youth development workshops for out-of-school time programs. We welcome Ms. Siobhan Dotson to our show. So thank you again for being a part of Study Hall with Eugene W. Grant. We're really excited to have you today on our show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know I just read your bio, but give us some things that may not be in your bio that you would like the listening audience to learn about you. So as I stated in my bio, I'm Siobhan Dotson, owner of Dotson King Consulting. Some things that people might not know that's not in my bio. I am a proud alumni of University of Wisconsin-Madison. Uh, All right. Yes, go Badgers. <laughs> <laughs> Went there for undergrad. I'm originally from Wisconsin. So people are always like, how in the world did you migrate from there to here? Right. And um, and to answer the question that I'm pretty sure a lot of people are thinking, yes, there are black people in Wisconsin. <laughs> I get that question all the time. <laughs> we exist, I promise you. But yes. um, I graduated from University of Wisconsin, Madison with my undergrad degree. And then I have a master's degree in public administration. I got that from University of Phoenix. And so I am excited that I am able to use my skills right, to be able to, you know, profit, right, and also help other people. Because, you know, after you graduate, what they don't tell you is that student loans come a knocking. Mm. So you need to figure out a way to be able to really pay them back. So uh, I'm excited that I've been able to utilize my skills in a way that can, you know, just create some additional revenue streams for me, but also be able to help so many other people that I probably would not have touched in my corporate setting in the traditional sense. So I'm excited to be able to utilize my skills um, of really just helping organizations really capitalize on their budgets and, and really reach the people, train their staff, but my biggest passion out of all the things I do, my biggest passion is is really working with youth serving organizations. So out of all the things I do as a consultant, I really pride myself on being able to reach back, especially to nonprofit organizations. I've worked with, you know, youth in foster care, youth in homeless shelters. And I'll say out of all the things that I do, I am the most proud of that work. So tell us, how did you come up with the idea for your business and where and how did you get started? I think a lot of our listening audience would like to know that. Honestly, what I will say is that um, I got the idea actually from 
another business colleague of mine mm. who I was helping her be able to create something, her own business. And she was just like, listen, sis, you know, you can start a business like this and help other people because there are so many more people who need your services, who would really want this information because she was putting together a proposal to help mm -hmm. her youth, her youth serving organization tap into additional funding. And for me, because I've done the work for almost 20 years now, that stuff comes easy to me. I'm like, oh girl, you need to write this. You need to say this. You need to organize it this way. And she was like, oh my God, like I had no idea. Thank you so much. And so she was just like, I really think you should make a business out of this because people really need the information that you have to offer. They need your expertise. So I sat on it for a minute and was just like, hmm, okay, maybe I can. And I just decided to honestly, a few years ago, jump out on faith and be like, all right, let me start putting my little self out there and see what happens. Um, and that's really what I did. And the, one of the first steps I took when I decided I'm going to put myself out there and kind of make this a business, I went back to my networks. That's how I really got started. I went back to my networks. I leveraged my connections that I already had. And I just started putting some feelers out there to say, listen, here is what I want to do. So I had to get clear first, what exactly do I want to do? Right, right. What exactly do I want to offer? So I had to get clear on that first and, you know, brainstorm some ideas. But then I went back to my networks and I was just like, here's, you know, the lane I'm kind of looking to go into. Could you assist me? Or are there opportunities that might exist within your organization? And I tell people all the time, closed mouths don't get fed. Don't get fed. So I opened my mouth and I said something and, you know, the, the beautiful thing about it is that because I opened my mouth and was just like, hey, I'm interested in doing this. Um, one of my first contracts came from just saying I'm interested. And that's actually a contract I've had for two years now. Wow. Exactly. So that's really just how I got started. The idea came from a business colleague. I sat down, I started mapping out what this could look like. And then I start, I went back to look my little Rolodex. <laughs> I went back to my well, Rolodex yes. connections and was like, well, let me reach back out and let me see, you know, who could benefit from this. So study hall, our program is about where learning never ends. We're constantly want to be in a perpetual motion of learning. And so some of the people in our listening audience are just probably very excited about hearing what you've done uh, in terms of getting started. Give us an idea of some advice, maybe three pointers of some young sister that is out there that is listening to this. She has an idea, she wants to do hair or she has some kind of skill set, but she really doesn't know how to get started. Give us some ideas of what that young girl should do. The first thing I would say is to research, right? I would say the first thing is to research that market. One thing when you get into certain fields or certain markets, you might hear so many people be like, oh, it's such a saturated market. Everybody's doing it. You're not going to make money. I still say research and learn how to start really niching down to say, how can I be so specific that you have no choice but to come to me because I'm the only person that offer you that type of service. I don't care if it's hair. I don't care if it's nails, right? Like how can you find one specific lane because you can't do everything. You shouldn't try to do everything. 
find one good lane and say, let me start in this lane because I can always expand later. So the first thing I would say is to research, right? Like do your research on what opportunities could exist in that type of market um, and start brainstorming and align your skill set with a particular lane first. Step number two, I would say, put yourself out there. Right. Mm -hmm. So many people think that you have to have this beautiful, long business plan before you can actually start opening your mouth and saying, I want to do this or I'm doing this or I'm interested. I tell people, listen, if I have an idea and I really think it's a viable idea, I'm going to just start putting it out there as if I'm already doing it. I don't care if I ain't started yet. If I know I have the skill set and I have the desire and the drive. I bet I'm about to start opening my mouth and be like, hey, girl, you need somebody to braid your hair or do you need someone to provide this service for you? You know, I just would start opening my mouth because the more you just say things and run ideas past people or tell people you're doing something, people can start to feed you connections, opportunities, or even they can help you streamline even more, you know, how you can niche down and say, you know what, maybe I don't need somebody to, you know, do my weed. Right. Like maybe I don't need you to put my weave in, but I need you to help me braid my hair. So the weave is ready to go in, whatever the case may be. Right. Like there might be an opportunity there for that. So just start opening your mouth and just speaking it and talking to other people. Um, So that's number two. And then the, the third thing, honestly, just do it. Nike said it best. Just do it. So many people I talk to get so caught up in the details, the particulars, and being like, well, I need to have a logo first, and I need to, you know, have my brand colors first, and I need to take, do a photo shoot first, and I need to have a 50-page business plan first. And it's just like, guess what? It's so many business owners out there, we're still figuring it out as we go along. The thing is, you just start, and you can figure it out along the way, because business plans change. Logos change. Your brand colors can change. I can't tell you how many times you know, a, a major brand has rebranded time and mm-hmm. time. They don't stop doing business. They just no. hit you surprise, right? This is how we look now. Yep. Tell people just do it and, you know, allow yourself to be flexible enough for the changes to happen. You know, allow yourself to have that room to pivot if need be. So you told us uh, the first idea was doing the research and understanding the market. So tell us a little bit about your market for your business, the overall market potential and your business enterprise as it relates to that market and any specific niche that you may be uh, focused on. Yes. So as a consultant, I have different aspects in my business. I do strategic business development and there are so many consultants. Man, I feel like consultant is like a, a trigger word. Now, everybody's a consultant doing something. And when I first started this, that was a huge concern of mine because I'm researching and I started to get a little intimidated because it was like everybody's a consultant, consultant here, you know, consultant there. And so I was like, oh, no, I'm not really sure if there are opportunities for me. But as I continue to research and as I continue to talk and open my mouth and really think about what I'm really, really, really good at um, and what lane I know I'm in the best, that's where I really started to go from this large pool and just start to dwindle down, dwindle down and find my, you know, my niche market, which is youth serving organizations, right? After school programs is what I know. And while I can provide so many different services to so many organizations, after school programs, out of school time programs, that's my bread and butter because I know that stuff with my eyes 
closed. And I needed to kind of get back to my roots. That's where I got started. And my career personally is in after school programs. And when I started to really look around at the problems people were facing, I was just like, well, not a lot of people know a lot of the back end of running an after school program, locating funding for after school program, grant writing for after school program, budgeting for after, you know, all of these very particular things that I was just like, oh, I know, I know how to do that. I've done that. I can do that. Um, you know, that's that's all my resume really is about. So that is how I started to just kind of drill down my market area. And once I decided. Don't try to be like every other consultant out here, Siobhan. Go with what you know and focus on out-of-school time programming specifically. That's where the opportunity started to just flow in. Mm, this is this is so wonderful. What are some of the challenges that some of your clients are faced with? Because a lot of times, some clients don't really even know that they need your service, right? They sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes you have to kind of convince them that they need your service. We have probably people listening right now who are running nonprofits mm -hmm. and they're probably struggling and they don't really need to. All they have to do is call you, right? That's and on our, on our website, there are going to be links where people can get in touch with you, but give them a little flavor or a sense of what they're going to hear if they call you, what you would say to a potential client. So the first thing I ask for is your budget. <laughs> exactly. That is, that's it right there. That is the first thing I ask for when someone signs up to do a consultation call with me. That is one of the questions that you have to fill out in the form is a, do you even have a budget? Right? Because a lot of the times, like you say, you have really good hearted people that said, I had this idea. I just want to help these youth. You know, we've been doing this for years. Um, we need more money, right? The money's just not really there. So I always ask, perfect, let me see your budget. And that's when people are like, oh, oh, like what you mean you wanna see my budget? And so I, I tell people, that's how I know you need my services because show me your budget and I can show you missed funding opportunities. I can show you potential partnerships. I can show you wasted expenditures, right? Like I can tell a little bit more about your spending habits or you know your revenue streams by just simply seeing your budget and kind of seeing how your organization is operating you know on an administrative level and once we get into the budget that's when we can start talking about uh staffing a lot of organizations are, are having issue retaining staff so when we look into the budget i can tell a little bit more about your staffing patterns that way i can really be able to tell um, are you too top loaded administratively and not really putting enough funding into your program? Or are you putting way too much funding in your program and not really investing, uh, you know, more in your operations and in your administrative, you know, overhead? So that's honestly the first question I ask people is just let me see your budgets. And I study people's budgets. You know, I've learned to kind of look at the numbers because I'm not like a data guru, but I love data. And data can tell a story. It will tell any story you want it to tell. So I know how to help create a narrative based on your data that's going to 
be able to say like, let's create a sustainability plan so your data can tell a story of progression. Your data can tell a story that more funding will allow better sustainability. And that's really kind of where I come in and I help people figure out maybe some additional funding opportunities that they may have missed, some ideas that people can use to do some fundraising, you know, for their organizations. I can also do staff trainings because like I said, people have a hard time retaining staff and it's because you don't know how to train them properly or you're not getting the grants, you're not getting grant funded and it's because you're not hitting any outcomes. You've not even identified any outcomes. So what story is your program telling? Well, you don't know because you don't have a logic model. You don't have any type of formula that's telling your funders how we get from point A to point B. Yeah, I think it's critical that those who are in our listening audience to really pay attention to what you're saying. So for example, if a person, you know how to cook, right? They may be the greatest cook ever. I mean, they can cook very well. And so they decide, well, and, and other people say, you ought to open up a restaurant. You ought to open up a restaurant because you can cook. You got it going on and they can, okay? We give them their props, you know, more props to you. You can cook. And then they start the business, but they're horrible at business. They know nothing about the back office work at all. Do you find that to be common among some of your clients that they're good at tutoring? They're good at a basketball program. They're good at those kinds of things, but they're not good at the paperwork. And sometimes convincing them that they're not good at it is a challenge as well. Have you faced that? You know, I have. And I tell people, I think the most important thing, number one, you have to acknowledge you don't have to be great at everything, right? I'm not great at everything. And the places where I'm not great at, I've learned to seek out help because I know that me not seeking out help, it is hindering me from going beyond, right? From really hitting the goal. And so I will go ahead and say for myself, I am not an accountant. I will always tell my clients that I am not an accountant. And guess what? I hire an accountant in my own business to make sure that I have some checks and balances in place. And it is hard to hear, you know, some of the things that we really don't want to hear because we're so focused on being great at the thing. And it's hard to hear, well, your books are a mess. It's hard to hear that you're not really, you know, spending um, in a smart way. You're not spending where it's being, you know, the most efficient or the most effective. And, you know, that's that's not the easiest thing to do because our businesses, our, our programs, our nonprofit, there, there are babies. I totally get it. Nobody wants to hear that your baby is not behaving in the way that it should. But seeking out that help so that you can elevate, right? So that you can tap into the grant opportunity that you may have not been able to tap into for years because you've not had your ducks in a row so that you can expand your organization and tap into other partnerships that you might not even have realized could be a partnership because, right, without looking at the books and understanding where the need is, you're missing out on opportunities. And so that I've run into clients like that. And I, at the end of the day, I tell people, I'm not here to convince you anything. I am here to tell you the truth. You either want the assistance or you don't. And it's completely up to any client. But I will say I do let clients know what they're missing out on by not getting the help. 
by not fixing the identified problem. It's just like, well, if you're not going to fix this problem, then you're not going to be able to tap into government contracts. You're not going to be able to expand to corporate partnerships, right? Or even really expand your community partnerships. People aren't going to want to fund your baby because you can't convince them that you actually have a plan of what you would do with the funding. The story's not there. And once I tell people that, I allow them to make the decision. So if you notice the way we're going back and forth, we're talking about other organizations, then we come back to yours. So coming back to yours, what challenges have you faced or are facing and how are you overcoming them? Because there is someone, again, listening out there who is struggling right now, trying to be successful in their business. It's a young sister who is doing the best she can, but she's about to give up. So give this young sister an idea of the challenge that you're facing and how you're facing it and what are you doing to overcome? Listen, first of all, how much time we got for each other? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that part. <laughs> Seriously, like, how much time we got? No, but I will say, right now, the biggest challenge I find myself facing is just creating a systematic way to do my own business is really where I'm struggling at right now, me, myself. And... Do I have a solution to it right now? No, I'm hoping somebody out there can have a solution for me. Tell us, how has the coronavirus impacted your business, either negatively or positively? You know, I mean, we were, you know, locked down for about a whole year. And, <laughs> and uh, tell us a little bit about how you dealt during the coronavirus. <sighs> <laughs> so when the virus hit, my calendar was booked mm. for like the next like six months. Wow. I was traveling, you know, on the dime of my clients, right? Like going and right, doing other things. And then I'll never forget the day that the like we got the notice about we're now shutting down. I had just finished up doing an in-person training, you know, in downtown DC. And I had been hearing chatters, but they were like, uh, you know, maybe we'll be locked down for two weeks or so, whatever. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I had all of these plans. I mean, like I said, my calendar was booked. And you know, when your calendar book, you start planning for the money. Oh, yes, yes, you do. Like <laughs> <laughs> the money in your mind. And then I promise you within a matter of like two days, my calendar went from being completely booked to being completely empty. Everything that was scheduled got wiped clean. Conferences I was supposed to attend, trainings I was supposed to do, clients I was supposed to meet with, everything. And I mean, I won't say I was devastated, but I will say I was just like, hmm. This is just a very interesting place to be as a as a business owner. This is a new area for mm -hmm. me. This is, I don't I don't know who else has lived through a pandemic with their business. So you know, because it was so new, there wasn't a blueprint for how to have your business survive a pandemic. This was right. this was new to everybody. So nobody at the time could really help me, and I had to pivot. I had to pivot in a major way. So I used that downtime where my books were completely wiped clean to number one, start some more revenue streams. 
right? Because right? I am a believer of multiple revenue streams. And so I was able to start shifting some of my focus to other business, you know, ventures that I had and put a little bit more energy there. But then I will say a beautiful thing that came up out of this pandemic, something positive for me was that because a lot of organizations were starting to be more open to virtual everything, right? Especially starting in the fall, people were like, all right, well, let's kind of start getting back into the work of what we do and after school programs still have to go on. We still need to meet the need of our, our youth. And so I started pivoting and, and just continuing to, was starting to pick up work, but um, I had more organizations reach out to me from other states. And I had worked with organizations in different states before, but this was just different. This was more like, all right, like this is not our lane at all. You know, somebody told me you've been doing this, so help us. And the positive thing is that I was able to foster new relationships with new clients and I was able to pick up two new contracts that like I wouldn't have been able to tap into those things had we just been doing in person because, you know, they were across state lines doing their own thing. So the positive is that like more organizations that that I have, you know, been in the network with have opened up to more virtual trainings and just more virtual learning and all of these things. So it's provided an opportunity for me to really expand my reach. And now what started off as me doing maybe one project with those clients that by the end of it, they were like, listen, like, how can we keep working with you? Right. And, and it's one of those things where somebody would drop your name and then somebody else pick my name up. And so I'm, I'm so appreciative of the cause and effect of that. So I'm happy to be in a space now where I'm expanding my reach. And it also caused me to think outside the box to be like, all right, because once again, being a business owner is about problem solving. So I was able to ask questions for these other organizations and really see like, how can I better meet your needs? So it made me go back to the drawing board and start to figure out, well, what other opportunities can I take to really strengthen my skill up on this thing so I can help this organization? So listen, I picked up new clients. I got certified in uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, just started doing more certifications to add those things into my business offerings. And I'm really excited about the way in which, you know, things are, are going now for me. So uh, as we we're wrapping up now and really appreciate you being on our show, this has just been fantastic. As we are wrapping up, we hear oftentimes individuals say, look, I can't work for nobody else. I got to work for myself. And I always laugh at that because if you work for yourself, that means you have clients. And if you have clients, that means you're working for someone. So, <laughs> so help us to shed some light on some person who may just be totally oblivious about what does that mean being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, owning your own business? Does that mean you only work two hours a day? Does that mean you can just take off for six months out the year and you can just live a life of luxury because you have one client that is just paying you everything you need? I mean, the reality of owning your own business? So the reality is I have wanted to quit this so many times. Let's talk real. Let's talk Listen, real. You know what I mean? I've been like, hey, who hiring? 
Okay, who, right. who is hiring and can use my services? Because being an entrepreneur, you don't get a paycheck every two weeks. You get paid when you have a client and you really have to put the work in with that client. Um, So honestly, I find myself working way more than 40 hours a week, especially if I really want to be consistent and, and you know provide top-notch work and meet the needs of my clients and bring in more clients. You're constantly working. You're constantly trying to make sure that you can secure your next client, you're constantly trying to figure out is what I'm doing working, right? Because there's no one coming in to say, hey, so Siobhan, let's talk about your performance last week. No, it's just, (laughs) I am having those conversations (laughs) with myself. (laughs) There's no one telling me, you know, how to do it the right way or you did it wrong. And there's no one handing me all the information. Like I have to go out here and hustle and work and be on so much You know, I will say, do I love the flexibility of being able to be an entrepreneur? Absolutely. But if I'm being real, do I miss getting a check every two weeks? Absolutely. (laughs) I miss getting a check every two weeks. And honestly, when you're not working, you know, for a corporation or for anyone, you forget about some of those, you know, luxuries of like benefits. Right. When you out here on your own, and now you're like, oh, I guess I do need insurance. Medical, life insurance, you know, short term disability and those yeah. things add up so often. Um, And so I I will be honest and say to anyone, if you're really thinking about starting a business, if you're thinking about, you know, elevating yourself in your business and you have a full time job. Work the job. Do not be in a rush to like jump both feet in without really having sustainable income and a plan to kind of float you through year by year. And I do mean like year by year because the money comes and the money goes. And if you don't have a plan, you're going to be stuck trying to figure out like how do I pay these bills and and, and what do I do and how do I you know get this my next client or what else do I do? So I tell people, if you do have that job, as much as it might get on your nerve or you know you can't stand your boss or whatever, utilize that job to help fuel your business because when you're out here on your own, how you gonna get some cash flow, right? Like you actually need money to start a business. You need some type of influx of cash flow to kind of get you started and to get you floating. So I do recommend for people to use your resources wisely and stay focused on what you want to do. If becoming a full-time entrepreneur is really the goal I am not mad at it, but be very realistic about what that life is going to look like. If you want to take six months off and just feel like you're going to travel the world, hey, I'm not saying that's not possible. But for the other six months, that means you are going to be working like a dog. Do you hear me? You working seven days a week. 12 and 14 hour days and you know like you're you're really you're going you're going you're going so just kind of be prepared for that hustle because it it takes a lot of great mindset a lot of growth mindset when you are in this lane of entrepreneurship because you're constantly having to empower yourself to say I know I can do this I know that the clients are there and the, the money is coming and you really just have to continuously empower yourself and get over the hurdles and the obstacles and figure out a way to float yourself during your downtime, like during the seasons where maybe you're not so busy, where maybe things aren't popping as much as, you know, you would have hoped. 
And one of the biggest lessons I've learned coming out of this pandemic is like prepare for the, 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 and I don't know, like the impossible, even prepare for that. Like who would have been like, Hey, y'all know it's going to be a pandemic in 2020. Like whatever. But now I've learned you always want to prepare for the unexpected because you really never know what can happen where you could be on, you could be popping and something could happen and you have, you can't work. So make sure you're prepared to be able to float yourself and your business. Um, and also multiple streams have multiple streams of revenue coming into your business so that you can always make sure that you know where the money's coming from. Now, these have been just some wonderful nuggets for people to really learn. And I think they've understood a little bit more about what you're doing, how you're doing it. And you have given a lot of good words of wisdom. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. And But I will ask this one question. Tell us, do you have a mentor? If you do, how often do you meet with your mentor? Give us some idea of what you and your mentor kind of discuss about because no man or woman is an island unto themselves we all need somebody right Right. you know need somebody (laughs) you know there's no way in the world we can all do this by ourselves and so share with the people who are listening the importance of mentorship that is to me of the utmost importance because Mm -hmm. when i got into this business um i started out with investing into coaches and you know mentors so i always tell people it ain't always gonna come free and you have to be prepared and ready to make that investment as a business owner because great mentors aren't always gonna pop out the sky and be like ta-da i'm your you know fairy mentor, like, let me help you. No, you have to invest sometimes in like really great coaches and and great mentors. And so I haven't, oh, I have invested a lot of money, like of money and learning more about the business side. You know, I've invested money into having people really break down to me my strength, but also my areas of improvement. And for me, what's important is always keeping what I like to just call a mastermind full of people in my circle, people who I know I can run ideas across, people who I know who will tell me, Siobhan, that does not make sense, people who will be honest with me and and make sure that I'm also being held accountable for the things that I said I wanted to do and I wanted to achieve. So I love to always keep my good mastermind circle around me because it can feel very lonely as an entrepreneur. You don't have coworkers that you can just go vent to. You get up and go in the office and chat it up. You can feel like you are on an island by yourself, but I'm so blessed to have been surrounded by such amazing women. And I will say women of color at that who have seeded into me over the years. So I know I can pick up my phone and email one of my mentors who is on the West Coast, right? And I know if I need her, she'll be like, all right, let's hop on a Zoom call. Let's work this out. Or I can text message some of my sister circle and say, y'all, I had this idea. What do you think of this? And they will be, they'll keep it real with me and they'll support me and empower me. So to me, mentorship and just that circle of support, it really is important. And it's also the thing that has helped elevate 
me over the years. So I am always open to mentors, but I also recognize that I don't force mentorship. It's Mm -hmm. something that I allow to just kind of happen naturally. And I am so blessed for the people who have accepted me as their mentee as well. And who have said, Siobhan, I don't mind helping shape and mold you and guide you so that you can really reach your full potential. You said something that caused me to think of something else as well. The word integrity is so, so important, right? And oftentimes people will say they can do something that they actually cannot do. And and I'm and I'm going somewhere with that because there's this stigma that black people are not good mm-hmm. in business. We late, we underperform, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously you and I both know that that's not necessarily true. We certainly know it's not true as it relates to Dots and King consultants, because that's that's not what they do. They are good at what they do, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But, but there are others who may not have the level of integrity mm-hmm. of a Dotson King consulting um, and and are maybe late. They may open up their late or, or what have you. You've heard the saying, the other people's ice are colder. Those kinds of statements. And most of the people, and we have a lot of people in our listening audience of varying uh, backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Everyone is not Black people that listen to this program. There's whole kinds of people. But about our African-American and minority communities that are doing business, express the importance of integrity as it relates of doing business. You say you're going to do something, do it. If you can't do it, be honest with your client and say, I might have to farm that out to someone else, et cetera. Help the listing audience to understand the importance of integrity. So I'll say this, what helps me have integrity is that I don't chase money, I chase impact. And if the if the project will not help me make the impact I really desire to make because I don't have the knowledge, maybe it's just not within my purview, um, if it's really going to affect the final impact, I will pass on it because that's where my integrity lies. And I know we get so caught up in being like, man, but I need this money and these clients want me to do it and they willing to pay me and I can figure it out later. Well, my reputation is everything, you know, to me. And word of mouth has gotten me lots of business. So I tell people the same way that it giveth, it giveth it away. Yeah, I always want to be known for the impact that I make and not because I'm making a whole, whole bunch of money and I'm taking on all these clients. And I've passed on quite a few projects because I've talked to the client and we've discussed what they're looking for. And I've been very honest to say, you know, that's really not within my wheelhouse. However, I may know someone. Let me refer you out. And that's how I maintain my integrity. I have built up relationships with so many amazing entrepreneurs, so many amazing corporations that I will refer you to someone who I know is going to do a a great job because I can't do it. You know, either maybe I just don't know how to do it or maybe I just don't have the time to be able to do it or, you know, I don't have the the manpower behind me. Whatever the case may be, I want to make sure that I am maintaining my great and 
integrity by just being honest with people. But that's also why I have a consultation with every client before we ever decide we're going to do any type of business together because I need to know, can I really do this? (laughs) Right? It's really within my skill set. And so I tell people like, don't mix up something just truly not being within your wheelhouse with you having self-doubt right? Like self-doubt is like, I know I can do, but I'm afraid to do it. It just not being within your skill set. That's a whole, right? It's a whole other thing. And so that's just how I operate. I operate out of impact. I have passed on a lot of money because I'm just like, it's just, it wasn't the right opportunity. And I always know if I operate with integrity, the universe will always bring another opportunity for me. Well, the engineers have given and the engineers are now taking away. And so we greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate uh, Siobhan Dotson of Dotson King Consulting being here on our program, Study Hall with Eugene W. Grant, where learning never ends. Thank you so very much, Siobhan. We greatly appreciate you and continued success in your business. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. And I really want to thank our guest, Ms. Siobhan Dotson, owner of Dotson King Consulting, for sharing portions of her story. To follow and learn more about her business, visit eugenewgrant.com and click on podcast to find links to our guest's social media sites. Thank you for listening. Study Hall with Eugene W. Grant is brought to you by Stratagem Consortium, LLC, presented and produced by Eugene W. Grant. The engineer is Lawrence Evans. The podcast is distributed by Sharon Lippert. Original music by Andros Music and graphics by Manifest Lifestyle Studios, LLC. Thank you for listening and tune in on the 20th of each month for more conversations on Study Hall with Eugene W. Grant.